4: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
5: Power 105, New York City, 2019. iHeart Radio Studios, Lower Manhattan. Charlemagne the God is one third of the Hall of Fame morning show, The Breakfast Club. And I'm sitting in somebody's office at the radio station, talking with him about how we amplify our good work in business as a community. And if talking about our moves is something we should talk about publicly, Charlemagne threads the needle on how we talk about doing good work and inspire a next generation to think bigger. To think bigger
6: than themselves. It's just like anything else, right? If you're a rapper and you rap about the club and you rap about alcohol and you rap about drugs and you rap about dealing with a bunch of women that's what you're influencing the people that are listening to you to do, right? So for me it's like you gotta talk about those type of things. You have to talk about some of the moves you make in business, you know? Because a lot of the moves that I make in business really are things that will better society, especially the black community. So it's like, yo, you have to make people aware of those things, because you're influencing the next generation, so the next generation needs to know that you can be more than just, you know, in in the entertainment business, or you can be more than just an athlete. You know, I think about when I saw guys like Robert Smith, and you see the the Jay-Z's of the world, and you see the things that they do, the Tyler Perry's, like, of course it makes you want to do just more good business, you know? So, yeah, I think that's that's something that you'll see me show more of.
5: I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Tiffany Alice, founder of the Budget Nista, is an award winning teacher of financial education and America's favorite personal finance educator. She's been featured in shows like Good Morning America, NBC News, Today, and more. She's the author of Get Good with Money, which is a New York Times bestseller, The One Week Budget, and the Live Rich Challenge series. I asked Tiffany, with so many people just as skilled as she is in finance but in their own verticals, what can they do that she did to finally break out and to get the attention of the masses?
2: So core thing, once I learned to like let go and be myself, right? So I used to, if I, you look back at any of my old YouTube videos from like 10 years ago, I was stiff. Like, hello, my name is <laughs> Tiffany, the budget needs to. Now I'm like, girl, your budget, what are you doing? You know? And so, I, so what happened was maybe like six or seven years ago, I was like doing a live and someone asked a question and the real Tiffany slipped through. And I was like, ooh, let me pull it on back to professional. But the comments went crazy. Like, yes, girl, yes. And I was like, ooh, y'all like that? Okay. So I turned it up a little more, then a little more. Then I saw this, it was either a documentary, or maybe I read an article where um, Quincy Rock, Quincy Jones was talking about Oprah. And uh, Oprah said that the best, um, I think she said the best kind of piece of advice or compliment that he ever gave her was that what makes Oprah so special is that she's exactly the same on camera as she is off. Mm. And I know it sounds like, okay, so what? No, I don't think people understand when that camera turns on 99.9% of people change and, and are different because you know, you're, you're, either insecure. You're like, Oh, my hair, do I look right? Do I sound right? So there are all these things that go through your head. So, Someone else shows up, it shows up differently than how, when the camera turns off, then you're like, all right, well, so, you know, and if you can do that, so I worked the last five years in particular to be the same Tiffany on camera as I am off. And the closer I get, I'm still about 80%, you know, depending like right now, this is all Tiffany, but like, if I'm doing like good morning America, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm still about like 70 to 80%, but the closer I get, the more opportunities open up. Because human beings are attracted to what is real and what is genuine. Even if they don't feel it on the surface, they're attracted to like, you know, like the human in you feels the human in me. So if I'm being myself, you feel it and you react to it naturally. And so that's number one is I've gotten really close to being myself on and off camera. Number two is just some consistency. you be like, oh, people always ask me to mentor them. And they're like, oh, you know, I just started my business a year ago and it's not going as good. I'm like, first of all, sis, you just got here. You're literally a year old. That's like the baby <laughs> saying, why can't I walk? You, I mean, you got to crawl. Yeah. Yeah. And then two, you know, you, you have a blog or you have a podcast and you're supposed to drop it every Wednesday, but I haven't heard your podcast drop in the last two months. You're just not consistent. Literally, some of the people are winning only because they do what they say go- they're going to do. And they do it when they said they're going to do it. That's it. Can you imagine? 80% of winning is just, do I do what I say I'm going to do? Do I do it when I say I'm going to do it? The vast majority of people, quite honestly, they don't. Either they overpromise, they get overwhelmed. They just don't feel like it. They lose interest. So I show up consistently, you know? And I probably say the last but not least is the truth is I try not to take it too seriously. Meaning like take myself Uh, too seriously and allow me to be in alignment with how, you know, like with what is out there for me. It's very easy to get distracted and say, I ought to do this because this person is doing this. I ought to do that. So I really try to stay in my lane because no one can out Tiffany, Tiffany, you know? And so once I, you know, so that's really, it's like showing up authentically as myself, consistency and staying in the lane of Tiffany. And those three things are, are how I've been able to do New York times, you know, um, my, my book has been, uh, it was eight weeks on the New York times bestsellers list, you know, a good morning America today. Show, I'm the financial expert for the real, um, a just today, I submitted something for newsweek. I write for Bloomberg, you know, wall street journal. I mean, there, there was one point literally where I had to tell like CNBC, like, is there anybody else that, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't do something every week. I'm tired. I'm like, I'm tired. I can't do an article or thing every week. Do you know any other experts? And I'm not saying that to Flex. I'm saying that to, you want to know why? The Newsweek guy emailed me this morning, said, hey, Tiffany, I'm writing an article and I need some some, some sales tips, You know, some savings tips. And I woke up this morning and I had my, my meeting. I was like, oh, okay. So I saw it within an hour. I had written him back with the two tips and said, "You know, please attribute me as Tiffany, the budget needs financial educator, author, New York Times bestselling author of Get Good With Money. He was like, wow. he th- Now, guess who's going, when they tight on a d- deadline, guess what Newsweek journalist is going to hit me back up again? Yeah. He is, yeah, you know, because he's like, yo, Tiffany is boom, bop, boom, bop. Yo, most of these outlets want you to just be primed and ready and consistent, and they'll come back to you over and over because you're super easy to work with.
5: So, so let's go in on, on that content. you know, content is king. And mm-hmm. I wonder what your strategy is like, did you pick one distribution channel? Is it like your blog that you just go in on to the, you know, neglect of everything else or is it Instagram or have you figured out ways to, you know, spread yourself across these different platforms to be able to reach people where they are?
2: So at first, you know, my, my only platform, cause it really was kind of like the only one available was, was Facebook. So I put all of my time and energy into Facebook. Um, But what really helped me to expand is I created, and this was accidental, and sometimes your best ideas are accidental. I created something called my Literature Challenge. It was this free online three week course because everyone kept asking me individual questions. And I said, what if I, I used to be a school teacher for 10 years and I have my master's in education. And I had been teaching this course at my local United Way. And I said, what if I take this course and I put it online? So people who keep asking me the questions, I'm like, take a free course, go to literaturechallenge.com, which is still available take the free course. Right. And so I said, I'm going to get, my idea was to get 10,000 people signed up, which I did by, I want to say it was um, January, 2015 or 16. And what happened in the course is that I did this accidentally. Like I think um, like Twitter just came out and then maybe Instagram came out like the next year or whatever, but you would come into the course. But what I was doing is effectively, you would see it on Facebook. And then you, you said, you know, you register for the course. Now I have your name and email. So that's one platform, and then when you were in it, I saw someone had this kind of like um, click to tweet in one of their blog posts that I really liked, and I was like, oh, you mean you can you can create a message in this box and people can just click it and then it'll tweet out? And I was like, oh, okay. So I added click to tweet. So the way the course worked was that it was an email course. Every day for three weeks, I would give you one small assignment um, that focused on that week's goals. You know, and um, so now you're in my inbox, now you're on my email list, but then the, um, the daily email sent you to the blog to actually get the lesson. So now I got email, I already had Facebook, but now I got email and I got blog visitors. And then when you're on the blog, I'm giving you the tips and I'm saying, click to tweet. Now you follow me on Twitter. And then like three or four days out of the course, I would create a YouTube video lesson just to change it up. So now you're following me on YouTube. And then when Instagram came out, I'd be like, you know, share your, uh, you know, share your feedback here. And now i got you on Instagram. So that's how I really started to kind of go. I call it like um, taking people on a tour of your brand. Facebook was the door. Then you sat in my living room, which is my email list. Then you use the restroom, which was Twitter. Then you were like, you know, you know, let me see the kitchen, which was uh, Instagram, you know, then you, so before you know it, that one person has visited all of my platforms because of that challenge. So it was one of the, the challenge was one of the best tools I ever created, you know, for my brand to grow, to grow the community and to bring them around the full tour. So I've got like really robust um, following on all of those platforms. And so yeah, that's what it started with, with one platform and then I created something that allowed me to bring people through all of the platforms.
1: All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open air zoo when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue with its powerful VC turbo engine. Well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! And one a few! Drive the Nissan
4: Rogue.
7: How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope.
5: Yeah. And so I would imagine that, um, you weren't manually, okay, I'm going to manually do this blog post, then manually do the YouTube, then manually do the Facebook and then the Twitter, the Instagram. So I would imagine that there were some systems in, in, in place there. And I, I, my question is like, how did you get the technical aptitude or did you hire out that opportunity for somebody else to be able to come alongside your team? And because, uh, what most people figure is they don't have the resources to go do all those systems. As well as and you do. honestly,
2: that's I I disagree. I did that at my brokest. So I said, okay, I wanna build this course. I don't have any money, nor am I tech savvy. It's just enough for me to get on Zoom. So I said, well, even now to this day. So I said, okay, well, what do you know how to do Tiffany? I said, I know how to email. And my blog, I built myself because you know, they have those blog platforms that it wasn't, it was like, you know, if you can do Facebook, I tell people it's even easier now. Back then it was a little harder. I think I was using blogger.com or whatever but it's just basically a template that you put your picture on. It looked terrible that you put your picture on and then you, you know, you just upload your blog post, Right. So it wasn't, I didn't have to be technically savvy. So that course was really just you join my email list and every day I emailed you, Hey, go to my blog for today's lesson. So, there was no real tech savvy stuff I needed other than, do you know how to send an email? I think I was using like Mad Mimi at the time. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I remember you know, that. and so, right? So, it wasn't even like some, like now we're using Fusionsoft, you know, but so it wasn't even some, some sophisticated CRM. It was just a regular email list. I got you on the email list. And then every day I said, here's day one of the Literature Challenge. This week we're talking about budgeting. Um, learn how to create your budget. Click here. And the here took you to the blog post. So, ahead of time, I wrote out the 21 blog posts. And I wrote out the 21 emails. And then I just said, mad Mimi on this day, send this email on day two, send this email on this day. And so what happened is that I found that my audience was like, this is so great. And they were messaging me. And then that's when Facebook groups came out. So at the end of each blog post, I said, want to talk about today's lesson, join us in the group. And then my Facebook group became the place where it was like the community, I didn't have to build that. So I didn't, the first like challenge or two challenges I did completely solo because I didn't need any super tech savvy. I knew how to use Facebook. I knew how to send an email and the blog, it wasn't great, but I knew how to at least like, you know, use the blog template that they created for me. So you don't need, and to this day, that's still basically the way the literature challenges are run. And over 1 million people have done one or more of my challenges. Mm. 1 million on that same simple send me your email, go to the blog, send me your email, go to the blog. That's it.
5: Good for you. I mean, that's, it's a lot of people mm-hmm. on, in, in your, in your sphere. And so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, um, cause we have so many conversations in our world about there not being enough capital for black people to start businesses. Um, not the venture capital. There's, you know, there's an increasing amount of angel and angel capital, but there's still a, such a disparity. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, for the men and women who will be listening to this and are using either their savings or their personal credit cards to build their business, how do you advise them to gauge to what extent they should be leveraging their personal holdings, their security, um, to invest in a company? How how do you advise them to, to use that money that should be there for the rainy day? That should be there, you know, the bridge over troubled water to uh, invest in their thing.
2: So I'll say this, that, there is a place for VC funding. I don't have any where well, I am hundred percent funded and we don't have any debt. And we made $10 million last year. This is just us. Our little black business just doing what we do, serving black people. Right. And so, but 10 million to one of these fast growth companies is like, what? Cause it's 10 million, in 10 years that we got here for some people. They're like, what we did then that in our first six months. Yeah. But then somebody else owns your company. like, you know, like I make 10, I I take home seven. Do you take home seven? Because I know them (laughs) people not letting you take home that big salary because that business belonged to them, you know? So there's something to be said. I remember I I was meeting with a, a young woman who started this great brand. It's in Target. She's doing really well. And she was saying the only way to really have wealth is that you have to have an exit. And I was like, that's not true. You know, but that I get it because she had you know, she had um 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 VC funds, you know, like embedded uh, in, into her business. So yes, but in general, everyone, I have friends who regret taking money and friends who are so glad that they took money. To me, there's no right or wrong. You have to just decide for yourself. If you're not going to take money, be okay with growing slow. I don't know when it it become like, you have to grow super fast. And in doing so, I don't know if you've ever, listen to the podcast, how I built this. Sometimes you listen and you're like, okay, so you grew this billion dollar company and now you owe 1%. Well, damn, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Honestly, I'm not interested in making someone else wealthy. If I'm all the way real, other than my audience that I'm helping, I'm not interested in growing something. And then you like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, girl. You know what that's called? Slavery. You know, our people are, we, we out that now. Mm-mm. And so I say, this is that you know, um, be willing to grow slowly. I never grew more than what the company can bear. I did take leaps here and there, especially when it came to hiring, but I would take a calculated leap where I would be like, for example, my first COO, like I had already been business for like four or five years, but I she was really good at organization. And I, that's something that I lacked. And so I remember telling her, I'm launching this new business. I had the budget needs to business. I've had several businesses. The budget needs to business was just the business of Tiffany. So it's like my New York times bestselling book, get it with money. My other books, it's speaking spokesperson work, brand ambassador work, basically the business of Tiffany. But I said, I wanted to create a business that wasn't the business of Tiffany. So my second business, Literature Academy. So I told my COO at the time, I don't, girl, I don't have no money, but what I do have, like, I don't have any money to pay you now from the business because that business has not launched yet. But I did, she wanted to make, I think it was like $3,000 a month. And I said, Okay. I've got six months worth of savings in my personal savings. I had $18,000 I had to cobble together, you know? So I said, I got six months. So we have six months to get literature Academy off the ground so it can start paying you. So we worked our behinds off and we did it. By month six, right when my, my savings was done, the Academy launched and uh, and during that launch, the launch was like a week. We made seventy thousand dollars that that um during that launch. Now here's the thing: it sounds cute, but we spent it, it cost us fifty to make that seventy, right? But because my literature academy was um is still in existence, um it's a, a subscription based business. So although we spent si- si- um, fifty to to make that seventy, that's because we had to build everything. That but then the subscription started to roll in, so it was enough to cover her salary. So that's why I said you want to make calculated risks like, okay, I'm not just going to drain my savings account and hope and wish and pray. We had a strategic plan in place. Like, If I pay more, if I I spend this expense, how can I expect to get that money back? If you don't have that plan in place, then you're likely to lose all of that money. I'm not willing to do that. So that's what I suggest um, to folks that if you are going to use your own money, do so, make those calculated risks. And- and be clear of this is how I'm gonna get my money back. This is the timeline and time frame. If 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 we don't, here's the backup plan to that. You know, we could probably grow way faster. I mean, honestly, we could probably be at 20, 30 million dollars a year right now in business, but that would cause us to grow in a way that's quite honestly not sustainable. Because you hear people like, you can make 20, but be spending 21 to make 20. That's what some folks are doing. I'm not interested in that. We are 46% profit. You know, we've got a, a healthy profit margin.
5: So so what do you say to the people who says, you know, we, hey, but look, you could be, you know, a two billion dollar business if you became something else. And, you know, yeah, you might own point one percent, but that's still a lot of money compared to the 10 million.
2: So I'll say this, that I, I'm, I don't disagree with that. And so I'm actually building something out externally from that. Meaning that for me, I'd like I'd like to have a little bit more diversity. So I have the said, that's the business of Tiffany. I've got the literature academy that that is slow and steady wins the race. It's like amazing money for me every year, and I'm building an, uh, another business where um, I'm doing just that. That is going to be like it is my intention to grow it in the next three years and sell it for about two hundred to three hundred million dollars and take my cut from that. And so to your point, I'm thinking about that too, you know, but. I needed, um, for me, security was most important because I had been so financially insecure for so long that mm-hmm. the Nista and the Literature Academy gave me that. So now that my house is paid off, my rental property home is paid off, my parents' house is paid off, my student loan debts are gone, I'm literally debt-free like a toddler. So now that I'm in a safe, comfortable mm-hmm. place, I have a business that g- generates money for me, no matter what, because it's a, it's a subscription-based, now I can take the risk for me Now I can take that risk because if the risk doesn't work out, guess what? I will still make seven figures a year, you know? So for me, I, all of my risks I take are not really risks. I'm like, "Mm, I know I could go for a billion right away, but let me just go for my million, feel good, make sure everybody good. We all fed. And now I could take the leap from a place. that's not a place of fear. You know what I mean? Like I can take the leap from a place of like, you know, regardless of what happens, You know, I know I'm gonna be okay, let's just go for it. So that's what's happening in in phase three of my business development.
1: All right, so there we were cruising through the new open air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue with its powerful VC turbo engine. Well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few!
0: State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth to date. Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
5: So, you know, there's this quote that says how you do. One thing is how you do everything. Right. And, and I wonder if you can't manage your personal finances, can you be expected or, um, can you manage business finances? Because I, I imagine some people will have the excuse of like, look, I'm not making enough. So I'm always messing up because I'm always trying to play catch up, but they may have this idea that could potentially get them out of that situation but how can they be trusted with the money to do it so i wonder to what extent is that excuse valid
2: um i think it's very valid because one at the very least if you are stressed personally when it comes to your finances then it's going to be very hard for you to develop a business without that fear in the background oh we got you know we really gotta make money i just you know it's hard. I'm not saying that now here's the thing. I developed the budget from that space and place because I, I had nothing. But it's really difficult to stay focused because now you're making choices where you're just like, is this good in the long term or is this a quick buck? But that quick buck might mean, so for example, let's just say you partner with a brand and they're like, hey Tiffany, you know, like beginner Tiffany, we'll pay you 10000 dollars for us to be able to use your you, use your likeness for the next year. In the beginning, you're like, "Ooh, I'll take that ten thousand because I need it." My, you know, I gotta pay these bills. And then what happens is, as you're growing and developing your brand, you have all of these other brands that want to work with you. But guess who can't work with them? You, because you're under contract for that year. And there was a five thousand dollars, a two thousand, a two, a three, or four, four altogether. That's fifty thousand dollars that you could have locked in, but because you're locked in for that ten, you're like, "Dang!" And I'm sharing that from like experience where I've locked myself in because I'm like, "I need the money now." And I'm like, okay, but I learned the lesson to say, "Mm -mm -mm. if, if someone's going to lock me down, it has to be a significant amount of money, more than what I can anticipate based upon last year, what I would make if I was going to partner with multiple people. So but if you are reckless with your because I've, I've seen people who are reckless with their personal finances, not just I'm having a financial hard time because maybe you lost your job or whatever, but reckless, you're likely going to also be reckless with your business finances. And if you have the pleasure and the privilege of having a team, you put everybody at risk. I don't play that. And so, you know, you do want to get yourself financially together because also, too, you're going to work with financial professionals like a, you might have a CFO, you might have a controller. You might have a bookkeeper, you might have an accountant, but you're going to want to know what you're looking at, you know, and so you can't just um, um, give all the financial control away. And so getting your personal finances in order is definitely a, 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 a major key in making sure your business is also sustainable.
5: You know, you you talked about how, you know, you were in that situation, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you built your business from a state of being broke. And, Mm -hmm. um, I wonder what was the break that you had that set you on a different trajectory. So like I'm broke today, but tomorrow, because this thing happened, I'm finally free. You know, the proverbial sense of free, I'm out of those, those weeds. And how can we be intentional about making sure that that break happens?
2: So for me, I remember, for me, it was connection to different people. Like the first five years, it was just me, 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 me in this little hole. I got myself to like, I think I got myself to $150,000 a year in business, which was really $35,000 take home. Those of y'all who know will know, like, cause you gotta pay bills and you gotta pay Uncle Sam. So people are like, oh, you make six figures. I'm like, no, my business makes six figures. I make less than I did as a preschool teacher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, so don't let people fool you when they're like, oh, I make." Uh, I'm like, "Is that your business?" Or right. Is that you? Right, right. You know, and I'm always transparent with our numbers. I think that's important, right? So, so what 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 transformed it for me? Because I had it took me almost six years to get to six figures, and then I met. Um, so the budget lease is still 100% mine, but I met my business partner. He wasn't my business partner at the time. His name is Jabril, and he was like, "Why are you doing it this way? You could do it this way." It was a new injection of new information. He's like, like, for example, he said, have you ever heard of an affiliate link? And I'm like, no, he was like, well, what tools and resources do you use? And I said, here's the list. He said, do you suggest them to your, to your audience? I said, yeah, all the time. And he was like, do you know, some of these companies will pay you to suggest them? I did, I did not know that. And he was like, girl, make a list. And we found all like, you know, of the 10, 10 uh, businesses, maybe there were three that had an affiliate program that was public. So instead of just giving their regular link like business.com, it was business.com slash Tiffany. And all of a sudden that was an extra thousand dollars a month that was coming in for oh. something I was already doing. And I was like, oh, so what I learned is that after partnering with Jabril to learn that there were other people that I started to connect with that like, you know, you're really looking to either learn from them virtually, meaning like watching their videos, listening to their podcasts, whatever, or, you know, sometimes you get to partner in real life or you go to networking events. You need to be amongst people who are, have done it or are currently doing it because it will expand your capacity. So what helped me go from literally five years, five to six years took me to get to six figures. It took me two years after that to get to seven. And then it took me a year after that to get to to, um, to, eight, to eight. You see how quickly that learning curve was like, Boop, bop, 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 bop. you know, so I was like, okay, It's the expansion of capacity, you know, like I was thinking so small. And even now I fight to not think small, that to think deeper, to think wider, to expand my capacity for what is possible. Because I was just thinking, I have a business coach now. And I was telling him the other day, like, I don't know, I keep getting this like vision that I'm going to like, you know, make 50 million dollars. You know, and I told him this idea that I'm, I'm rolling out. He was like, mm, are you sure that's what it's saying? 50 million? I was like, yeah. He was like, mm, that idea is more, worth more like 200 million based upon the market. And I was like, okay. He said, now the 50 million is likely going to be what your take home is. Maybe that's what your vision is telling you. But in my mind, I'm like, 200 million? No, because it feels so impossible. And then I, um, he invited me to this like um, entrepreneur kind of like shindig. We're literally everybody there. There are people there who are like, oh, we made 200 million last week. It was so great. So we're going to sell the company forever. Everybody ain't on social flexing. So that normalization of that, like, oh yeah, we built our company. Like, you know, me and, you know, I met him at the last meeting. We we built a company in six months to a million dollars a month. We just sold it for 70 million. I think we should do that again. That's fun. And you're like, wait, what? That expand. I'm over here sweating. Like, i like, I don't make it to my 10 million. And they're like, oh, that's so cute, 10. So how's that going? And meanwhile, these people that you would never see on social are just are just making money at like a level that seems so insane and crazy because we don't see it see it posted on social because they're not trying to get robbed and they don't want everybody knowing their business. And so for me and for anyone who's wanting to go to the next level, it's gonna require you to expand your capacity. And some of the best ways to do that is take a look. It's in a book, Reading Rainbow. Read! <laughs> I mean, damn, people don't want to read, read like, you know, if you want to read, this is my Vanna Black moment, Get Good With Money, 10 Simple Steps to Becoming Financially Whole, my New York Times bestselling book available at getgoodwithmoney.com. But no, sincerely, like I'm even now I'm reading Atomic Habits, right? Which is like helping me to open up my mind. Like, okay, before I read David, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, he's one of my favorite writers. Like how, what um, David, Malcolm Gladwell writes really amazing books um, that can be used for your business, but they're really books about kind of like psychology where David and Goliath, he talks about, was David really the underdog? That sometimes really being the underdog is your best asset and how to use that. So, and before that, um, I read Delivering Happiness by Tony Hsieh. So he's the, um, the owner of Zappos. He passed away recently, but he was a billionaire. And his thing was all about company culture. So having me looking at my own company's culture to what we could do better. So I'm constantly reading to expand my capacity. That's one. Two, talk to people. Talk to people who are doing similar, better, whatever than you, so you can think beyond what you know. You don't know all the things. The best thing that you can know is you don't know anything. You know, like expand your capacity that way. And the third thing is expand your capacity through experiences. Nothing teaches you better than actually seeing, tasting, doing. One thing I do like once a month is I find one of the wealthiest neighborhoods around here and I drive through because it's a reminder that 50 people in this neighborhood figured out how to get themselves a $5 million home. Sis, they ain't smarter than you. I love that. As a teacher, one of the things you learn as a teacher is that 80% of your student population is of average intelligence, average meaning smart. 10% have have uh, challenges, you know where they really need additional um, assistance. And 10% are super, super smart, like geniuses. These people that live in these houses, it's the 80%. It's not Bill Gates that lives here. It's some regular, regular people. You part of the 80, you can live here too. So I'm always trying to expand my capacity. Like, no, 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 let me experience that. Like, okay, they're not smarter than me. Why can't I live here? Of course you can. And so experiences, um, people, and books are one of the greatest ways to expand your capacity. And that's the difference between where you are to the astronomical growth that's ahead of you.
5: Love it. I love it. And and you started off that response talking about something that's super important for entrepreneurs and that was taxes. Right. And, you know, increasingly I see things on social that talk about how the tax code was written to incentivize entrepreneurship, business Mm -hmm. owners and employing people and growing enterprise. What I wonder is, like, is there anything missing from that conversation that's not happening far enough to where regular people, you know, maybe leaving money on the table or paying too much to Uncle Sam? How can we take advantage of this code if we are entrepreneurs and if you're not planning on being an entrepreneur, but still, you know, try to figure out ways to, you know, keep some of that money to be able to deploy it towards, you know, building wealth?
2: I'll say this, that if you're not an entrepreneur, there's not that much in the tax code that's to your benefit, quite honestly. This is why you hear about that people say the, you know, the middle-class is basically carrying everybody else. You know, so um, those,
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
5: AT&T connects in ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow.